welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. I was so waiting for you to start. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm one of the hosts and uh, this is going to be a different sort of episode. Jared is running things. He's recording from his end. Um, we're also watching the Manly Cronulla game because it's 8.40 on a Monday night. And why wouldn't NRL be on? And um, we're going to try and get you guys updated across the board everything going on NRL and COVID and injuries and suspensions and a couple of weird results from the weekend and Melbourne Storm continuing to break records. So Yeah, but you had a way more interesting weekend than the footy. I did. I am literally watching with the most interest, well, not the most interest, but the most focus all weekend right now because, yes, I had a, I went to a shotgun wedding on Saturday. Uh, a mate, or two mates of ours got married and luckily for them, their reception was scheduled. Sorry, the ceremony was scheduled for 1.30 in the afternoon. We get there at 1.30, ceremonies at 2, all well and good. Lockdown hits that morning, gets brought forward to 1, gets brought forward to 12.30. Uh, Maddie and I realised that the only four boxes we haven't unpacked in our house contain all of our dress clothes, so suits, shirts, dresses. So the study I've just cleaned was covered in everything. Got up there and the celebrant was like half an hour late. Oh, and Brilliant ceremony. Grimson got roasted. Nice thing said about the bridal party. We had two hours of reception. Literally every speech, they encouraged us to drink as much as possible. We had 10 minutes of live music and dancing, and then we all had to get the hell out of there. And Yay, lockdown. It was, yes, a very weird wedding. And um, to make things, I guess, tough for us the next day, awkward, we'd gone out that morning, my wife and I, and picked up a slate pool table which yeah, took five of us to carry from the guy's house out to the trailer. And then the Sunday so, morning, did you all bring... our mates from the wedding were meant to come back through and help us um, bring the pool table in. But because of lockdown, they all had to head to Brisbane. So it was my wife and I and a full-size slate pool table <laughs> sitting on my trailer all Saturday. And then we're getting really stuck because I literally could not get the trailer off my car because it was that heavy with the tray with the pool table on it so end up getting some emergency mates around to help us do that and yeah now it's monday <laughs> holy that, geez that is fun be- and brad parker is showing me why i think there are other options that could be in the manly centers but anyway um i did see the picture of um the pool table nice looks good in your little den thing you got going the sports room whatever yeah. you want to call it looks really cool yeah man um, yeah, Adam had a really exciting, um, I think everyone, bar me, was affected by lockdown. I didn't have any lockdown because I live in Gympie. That's half an hour north of the um, the highest lockdown level of area. It's all right. But um, yeah, at least Adam had fun on the weekend. And the wedding would have been awesome. I know the guy um, through Adam and Jane, uh, Tom would have loved it. I reckon it would have suited him. Yeah, he's a too. party animal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He held it in real well, uh, and he was he was strong for Cassie. And I, I dare say Cassie was strong for Tom to get yeah. through it all because obviously it affected his bucks party. That's why we went to a few weeks back where everything got kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And 
they've just been rewarded by this. Um, luckily, though, they were already scheduled for one thirty, so it still happened. Yeah, um, and they are now married. So, commiserations, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, Cassie, sorry. It's going to be way worse. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, Cassie's going to cobble way worse. It's a way worse decision on her part. That was one of the best films, supposedly, from the weekend, uh, from the wedding, was the video the videographer filming me laughing at Cassie's dad's speech because he was doing dad joke after dad joke. He was hammered. And then his solution for Tom snoring was to bring out a gag that you oh. find in a sex shop, which was um, brilliant. Oh mate, his snoring. Oh, I just lost my shit. It was, oh, mate. It was I, hilarious. I don't, poor that poor girl. Like full credit oh. to her that she can sleep in the same postcode as that boy. Oh turbo, come on, man, catch the ball. <laughs> anyway, yeah. lots to get into. Let's go. Let's get let's get rocking and rolling. I'm ready. All right, so yeah, we'll just jump straight into it. Um, injuries and suspensions from the week. Oh, end. we're going straight from there. All right, yeah. see, this is what happens when Jared does things. It's all in a weird order. Like, yeah, all right, <laughs> injuries and suspensions. Cool. All right, injuries. Regan Campbell-Gillard, hamstring slash groin, as if that's that's probably the last thing Parramatta needs, probably being one of the most consistent fours behind Junior Paulo all year. Wugger Blake, uh, concussion, who has to pass concussion protocols. Josh Morris. Another thing Roosters couldn't cop, that his hamstring looked like he's not going to come back till the finals. Um, Dane Laurie, probably the breakout star for West Tigers. Um, has broken his leg. He's out for the season. Oh, really? Yeah. Jake Dang. Turpin. Um, oh, Jake Turpin's done his ankle around 24. And Gatoni Staggs. You're gonna see when he's he's in the he's in the Broncos squad in that back line, they just look a lot more elite and he's out for the season for a knee injury. Jerome uh. Uh, Jerome Hughes um calf strain to be confirmed what it's gonna happen with him, but with Melbourne's track record, you would not be surprised if he rested a few rounds just because it's Melbourne and then Craig Bellamy's won enough minor premierships in his day. He's not going to have to push for more. Kane Bradley, the um, big winger up up at North Queensland, done his hand. He'll be out for the season. And while bad news for him, Ben Hunt broken his arm out to around 25. I think that effectively does set George's season. To be honest, uh, can we just get clarification how NRL fantasy works? Do you get any more trades once you get into the finals? I, or if you get into the finals, I think you do. You think you get two more per round or something? Two more, bloody oath, because you just wiped out Katoni Staggs, Jerome Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already missing uh, who else is on my bench injured? I couldn't trade out Sean Johnson. No, far geez. out. I'm not gonna have it. I was already one short this week and I should still win depending on who scores for Manly for the rest of the game. Um, bloody hell, that's some yeah. decent injury tells out. Oh, who are the Roosters going to play in the backs next week? Like, no <laughs> Billy Smith, no Ikevalu, no well, Morris, look, no Sawali. I was thinking about it the other day. So Tilly Tupanua, he'd be a lethal centre, I reckon. He'd be pretty bloody lethal. Good. Yeah, lethal. Um, for suspensions, Jerry Rear Hargraves, whatever, dangerous contact, high tackle. He's out again. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe Hoff and Hengau is charged with 
shot in you and Aiken, high shot. Um, Kenneth Scape with $1,350 fine. Ethan Bullymore, Danny Levi, and Cohen Hanson have all found their names on a charge sheet for the Broncos win over the Cowboys. Bullymore and Levi for a high tackle and dangerous contact. Um, $1,150 early guilty plea. Levi, however, has opted to enter a plea of not guilty and will have his case heard on Tuesday, which is very surprising considering if he cops it and gets suspended for a round, they've just lost Jake Turpin, as previously mentioned, to around 24. So risking their backup hooker is when they're not going to make the finals isn't really that smart. Um, Hess has been grade one dangerous contact on the talkative, let's put it that way, Tyson Gamble. Fine with $600. Felice Cafusi, Stephen Crichton fan, facing um, bans following the top of the table clash. One game ban for Cafusi for a high shot on Matt Burden. And contrary conduct for Crichton for an incident involving Cam Munster. I find this quite ironic because he's actually charged for kicking him while he's on the ground. Yeah. He looks like he's going to get a fine, a ban. Cam Munster kicked two people in a week early this year and he got fines both times. So read that in 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 how you will. Uh Jerome Luai, Jermaine Hopkins, and Kirk Capewell um, were cited, but nothing's come of it. Tyrell Fooley, my owner, charged for another high tackle. And still in the sidelines, the second row is charged with grade one dangerous contact on Dan Gagai. Will miss one week regardless of any guilty plea if he's found guilty in the judiciary. Jaden Sewell was cited for dangerous contact on Ben Hunt and will escape with a $1,600 fine. That's the naughty boys. Yeah, and that's um, the wrap-up of injury suspensions for round 20. And then when we come back, we'll come back with the news and fun stuff that's coming out of the NRL over the weekend. Yes. All right, guys. Obviously, the big news out of the weekend was the COVID and the offshoots of the COVID stuff, which there is a few. But we're going to start with... Um, one big one for Manly. So Manet's Finau has been stood down for the no-fault stand-down policy for, what, the last 18 months now at least, I think? So you see, last yeah, year. pretty much. Yeah, and um, there's two witnesses that come forward. Obviously, we're not going to hear exactly what they're testifying, but they've come forward saying there's new information in regards to it. And um, another thing about this bloke is that COVID... It has affected him as well because he is still contracted to Manly, but his court case, because of COVID, gets delayed and delayed. I think it was supposed to be heard in July or something like that. Yeah, it's being pushed to July next year. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's one affecting his um, potential earnings moving forward, but two affecting Manly's salary cap and three, like NRLs are time like a, a running clock of how long you can play you miss two yeah. to three years of nrl that's that's a lot of stuff you're losing right there so um no matter what you think of the stand down policy it's in place now it's probably net most negatively affect this bloke and um hopefully there's a resolution asap for this what do you reckon about that 
Well, as a Manly fan, the thing that concerns me the most, obviously, outside of uh, any criminal um, actions, whether he's guilty, is his development. He's a very, he's still a young player. He's been, he was signed as the protege to Coruscant. Uh, Manly put him before Coruscant, allow Coruscant to leave to use up money to spend elsewhere. Oof. And some of that was on fee now. And the, the way Coruscant's been playing the last year, or not year, this season, man, um, that's neither here nor there. But a lot of development at this age. And we know how important the dummy half position is. And you look around the league, the teams with the better dummy halves are generally playing better. And it's not a position that is. Easily obtained. Yeah, easily obtained. There's not a lot of depth of good dummy halves on the market or even in clubs at the moment. It's so the development... Position. No. Um, so obviously it's hurting Manly on and off the field. So the no-fault policy, I'm a supporter of it because these are serious charges. However, this is because of COVID pushing the court case next year. It'll be, if that stays and nothing changes, he would have missed up... He would have missed basically three seasons by the time, or two and a half seasons by the time his court case starts. And it'll be interesting to see what does come to light with regards to these witnesses coming forward now and why not earlier, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's basically saying the Sydney Morning Herald has reported two witnesses um, that Finau was not responsible for a stabbing at a church dance. And another development in the case, New South Wales police will treat their own witnesses who allegedly confessed to the stabbing before backflipping on it um, as unfavourable. So Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, whether this goes anywhere, it's something to keep an eye yeah, on. Yeah, keep an eye on it. Um, it's a real test of the no-fault stand-down policy and we'll find out if it's legitimate because, you know, the most recent story is Jack DeBellin. Um, it's funny you mentioned Apisau Coruscant. So... Obviously, he um, was the one who was banned from the... Oh, no, he was banned for two games in NRL for sneaking a girl who was not his wife into the Coogee Hotel. Oh, sorry. Kingscliff training camp in New South Wales and breaking COVID rules and stuff like this. Um, look, I have been very, very vocal on what should be punished about these blokes um, over the last 18 months for this kind of stuff. More vocal than she was, from what I heard. <laughs> oh, um, luckily, luckily enough, I pro- I was very mad at this, but the podcast that Adam and Wall went over this, I wasn't there. Um, it's That's looking, right, we move forward. Well, yeah, no, the new news on that. Looking, it's looking like that he will not get picked for New South Wales rep- representative honours next year. He'll be banned from the New South Wales squad for this. Um, I fully support that. So, yeah, let's move on before I go nuts. Um, Is that really a punishment? <laughs> oh, mate, you don't get to play in a winning team. So, yeah. yeah, so obviously the big news out of the weekend was the COVID. So, give you a bit of a quick timeline of what happened. Thursday night's game got played. Friday night's got game played as scheduled. Queensland, um, Queensland government announced a... Snap lockdown at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Um, and it was quite funny because I heard about it and I went, look, the last year this has been happening. The NRL has actually got exemptions to play every single time. 
I don't know if this is true. This is my personal belief. I believe for stuff like Apisac Coruscant and Jairo uh, and Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adakar, dra- every Dragons player there is, minus two. Um, I believe that the NRL didn't get the straightaway exemptions because the government didn't trust them at that time. And then obviously, the, so all the games on Saturdays got put into um, limbo, which meant that the Knights Canberra game, they're actually going to go on the uh, tra- uh, sorry plane up to, up to Townsville at one point. So it got cancelled, plane to Townsville, cancelled, plane to Mackay, cancelled. So it was jumping around the world place. No one was actually sure what was going on. Finally, it got delayed, and then there was a triple header on Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night. Uh, sorry, Sunday night. And then, as Adam discussed, there's two games on tonight, which were supposed to be Sunday afternoon. They got delayed for uh, 24 hours. So that was a big thing that came out of COVID. You know, there's a million stories you could put up about it. I commend the NRL for being able to do it. Um there's a lot of been a lot. Of, there's been a lot of criticism um, the last six months about how ha- NRLs handled the rules and stuff like this. But the handling of COVID has been nothing but first class, and the fact they're able to get those games on in that time was impressive for me. I think it was more a um, we got to thank the government for even bothering to get them going concerning how bad the players have been with Rios are following the rules this year. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked that the footy continues to go, but I think the NRL should be bound down to the Queensland government when this is all said and done. It'll be interesting to see what happens next weekend with the lockdown being extended to Sunday yeah. uh, as it was meant to pretty much stop on Wednesday. It's been extended through to Sunday already. So the plans for next week's fixtures who knows? I, I, I am more and more on the side of we should have NRL Island and just take them all over to bloody Stradbroke or something and play <laughs> all on one field back to back to back to back. But yeah. No, no, uh, this is um, cool. It makes, yeah. Well, sorry, it actually delayed our plans. Um, we we're going to go with Robert, who was on a previous podcast to the Newcastle game at Suncoast Stadium, oh, yeah. Suncoast Stadium on Thursday night. We don't actually know where that's going to be played, but we doubt we're going to be able to go to, <laughs> go to the game anyway. Um, but it's actually brought up um, a few, you know, a few funny things about scheduling and stuff like that. Um, right now, the biggest one is that the NRL Players Association, a couple of years ago when they, the bargaining agreement came in, trying to sort out their thing, made a rule that you weren't allowed to play have a five-day turnaround. Sorry, you have to have at least a five-day turnaround to play. Because Newcastle um, played on Sunday, Yeah. then um, Broncos played on Friday night, but it had to get delayed until Sunday. They've actually only got a four-day turnaround. There had to be... and Newcastle had to give permission to the NRL to do this because by contractual requirements with the media for the bargaining agreement a game had to be on Thursday night and they couldn't delay anything else. And it just became an old mess. Newcastle played on board. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is right now, we need to all thank Newcastle for saving the competition because they agreed to that. (laughs) 
get out of it. <laughs> but no, it, was, it is quite interesting how teams handle it. Um, and every press conference, because I watched them all, um, they all, all the reporters asked every coach, you know, did, did were you guys affected by this change, especially the teams who lost? And every coach backed up the NRL, which is really impressive. And this turnaround and said, you know, we um, commend them. We're not going to blame it on that mess around because it is what it is. But there's no way that you can say that the players weren't affected by this because the unknown, unknown of it would have just been ridiculous. Um, I especially feel for debutants on the Sunday afternoon, just how much confusion would have went into there because they would have got named on Tuesday, then delayed, delayed, and this would have been an absolute mess for them. But yeah, um, good on the NRL teams for backing this up and hopefully there's not too much shit going on moving forward. As a debutant, I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't mind it because there's no pressure on because it's all such a random situation. There's no crowd either. Uh, talking about debutants, uh, Brisbane boys put, putting on the haka for... Oh, I'm going to forget his name. I had this in my head once you said debutant. Xavier Wilson? Yeah. Uh, made his debut and Jordan Ricky and the Kiwi boys out going to let a haka in their training facility yeah, for him as he got his was... jersey presented, which is really a- cool. Actually, yeah. Uh... A really cool one that I actually forgot to bring up. Um, one of the cool things about COVID is that all the teams are in a little bubble. They're in a tiny little area. Roger Tuivasa-Shek left back to New Zealand. And I didn't get a chance to commend this fight because he has been the epitome of the guy you want in the middle of the COVID crisis because he's been heads right, done all right, everything's right, and he's just been a top bloke during the whole process. The other teams respected that so much that the other teams who were in the bubble, he was standing in one spot. There was one team to his left, one team to his right. There was one team in front of him and one team off center to him. And all the Kiwi boys from different teams in the NRL did the haka for Roger to yeah, awesome. which shows the ultimate respect that the players had for this bloke, even being an opposing player. It also shows Paul Kent can go fuck himself for criticising him. I'm still dirty well, I like about that, it. I, I'm still I like dirty that, about it. All right. Uh, one team that probably doesn't even know COVID is going on is the Melbourne Storm huh. because you just, you're literally like, I don't know how you stop this club. This has been, like the Roosters have had the most, Ridiculous injury toll of the season, obviously. And it's actually overshadowed the amount of injuries that the Storm has dealt with as well. Uh, when you look at Finucane early in the season, the amount of time Pappenhausen has spent out, Harry Grant's missed a big chunk of the season as well. And you're talking about your starting lock, your starting dummy half going into this season, your starting fullback. It's not like they're non-positions. Um, They've continued to deal with that. They're up to 16 straight wins. They're three off the all-time record held by the Roosters from 1975. And just to throw another record in there, it's the greatest points differential ever seen in um, NRL, ARL history. Uh, They're at 465 points uh, differential, beating that of Parramatta in 2001, Manly in 95, and East in 1935. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you look at, yeah, Dino Rima, who's a debutant on the wing this year. You look at Nico Hines, who played a 
a bit role for the club last year and has been a revelation at fullback. And you look at they brought replacement fullback. They brought in Jennings and uh, Remus Remus Smith this year. Like this is nowhere. And I think what people are they just we just say oh it's Melbourne Storm. This is a Melbourne Storm without Cronk, Smith, Slater, and Inglis, uh, the foremost influential players of that era for that team. None of them are there, and this team is playing better than they did. Yeah, and so... Uh, with regards to stats and stuff, and yes, there's been rule changes, and I take all that into account, but we talk about the effect it has on players. Uh, I, as a Manly fan, like, we got pumped by Melbourne in a grand final before pumping them. And we've had the battle of Brookvale and the fights and all that sort of stuff. And we've got a damn good rivalry, but I still just admire and respect the hell out of the storm and what Craig Bellamy has been able to do year in, year out with a changeover of players due to salary cap pressures and all that sort of stuff. And for them to come out and uh, beat Penrith by 27 and yeah, Penrith are missing five players. I get that. Um, Storm have been beating teams like this all year, missing that many players. And I think what the Roosters have been doing has been just as impressive with the amount that they've been missing. Yeah. Um, so the Storm are just on another planet. Yeah. So it's the thing that it, uh, impre- impresses me with Melbourne is that Craig Bellamy has not only a really good knack of picking players from the unknown and making them poor, putting them in the system to making them look elite, at least, uh, more than. Uh, great players but i think his biggest strength is adaptation to the current game every single time or yes. adaptation to getting the best out of his team for what he's got so you know his first 12 years of coaching in melbourne pretty much build a structure that gets him in the position then give the ball to smith cronk slater inglis those kind of blokes last year with the team he had, it was so impressive because it was a complete opposite minus Cam Smith of the team he used to used to win with. So, you know, you had um, when when he used to play, you used to have really small dynamic forwards who just hit you all day under the ribs. Here, Dallas Johnson, Michael Crocker, those kind of players. Last year, he played an ultimate power game with Famasuli, Famasul. Whatever his name, um, Tino. Tino Fasamawali. Fasamawali, yes. Nelson Solomona, Christian Welch, Tuikama Kamika, Felice Kafusi. Pure power, this like running through the middle. And it was complete opposite how they used to play, which is smooth, slick, and, you know, getting them into position. So that's for me the most impressive part of Melbourne is just they adapt to the game better than anyone else. And the next up, next man up mentality. And you talk about injuries and kind of stuff. Like, Yes, Penrith are missing five players, but Melbourne have been missing five players all year. Um, Roosters, they're still in the top five. They're, they're, <laughs> I think they had 63% of their salary cap sitting on the sidelines on the weekend. Yeah. It's and just- every team and every team supporters do it. Like I was looking at the online stuff and Penrith saying, yeah, we're missing this many players, rider, rider. If they were full strength and Melbourne were missing five, Melbourne fans would be saying it, Penrith fans wouldn't care. So... What I saw out of it and looking at the commentary, how little talk there was about Penrith being a one-man team. Um, without Cleary, they're not even... 
on the same level. And Manly get a whole lot of shit with Drobojevic, with Manly being a one-man team. And I was just looking at going, there's so little chat about this, and they're pointing to the amount of players that they have out. Um, I don't care if they had the other players in there, James Fisher, Harris, Isaiah, Yo. I'm not even going to count Tyrone May, um, and someone they else. Don't. Those guys weren't going to win Penrith again. This is a, I don't know what, I think Gus Gould said at one point that um, there wasn't a big difference between the sides or something like that. It was 36 nil or a marge or 36 10, sorry. That's not close, man. Um, the grand final last year wasn't even that close, really. And um, the scoreline suggested otherwise. And then people saying it was disrespectful for them taking the field goal. No, it's not. It's professional sport. It's points differential. Not that Melbourne are really going to need it. But um, no, this I said it last week leading into this game. I thought Melbourne was going to win. I thought they were going to win pretty well. And regardless, if Cleary comes back, they beat the shit out of the team that people consider are going to be in the grand final with Melbourne. Um, it's going to leave some scars on some players, not all of them, but some are going to remember this absolute beatdown and they'll be looking to Cleary to get them out of it because no one else in the team is going to do it by the look of uh, what happened on the weekend. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, you got you do have to take him. And Penrith fans, off. just remember, I've been praising you all season, so. I have not. Um, you got to take it with a grain of salt in, in the fact that, you know, that you Pembroke were missing Cleary, but the reality of it is Melbourne have been missing more over the entire season and they're still on top. And that's what yep. you got to look into. And they lost Smith. So I remember what last week was it or the week before they rested Fanuk and Kafusi and um was it Jerome Hughes or someone all in the same week or Munster, sorry, all in the same yeah. week. And um, they still won by over 20. So yeah, and that's choosing right. all these people. Um, cool right. little story on the side of things. So round 21, uh, the NRLs will be joining with the men of league for their crazy socks campaign. And so basically during the past two weeks, local rugby league clubs, those that have been shut down, have been getting their crazy socks on. So wearing different uh, socks, instead of their club socks. Um, usually when this happens at the NRL level, it's players wearing their junior club socks. So if they played, yeah, wherever they play their junior, junior footy at, um, some are going to wear a sock of either club if they played for a couple, all that sort of stuff. So despite the recent lockdown um, in New South Wales and Queensland, affected players and clubs will pledge to wear the socks as soon as matches re- re- resume. So that's... They are shut down next weekend, whatever, whatever. Some will have the men of league socks on, which um, Teague Wilton is modelling on the NRL website, which are pretty sick. They're black and gold and white. I actually really like both styles. There's a wavy one and a checkered pair. Um, but I always love this round to see all the different colours of the socks that the players are wearing. And um, obviously it's raising awareness and money for men of league, um, who is an awesome foundation. and Basically, ex-NRL players uh, get involved and they help out a bunch of different charities and looking at physical, emotional, financial support for those in grassroots rugby league who have fallen on hard times, especially in the world that we're in at the moment. Um, so that should be something to look forward to as well. Yeah, that's, that, that is um, awesome. 
So some more good news on the weekend. Jared Croker. Um, this fight's fight's an absolute weapon. He's so consistent every single week. He can't become third in the overall points in the NRL history, um, overtaking Jonathan Thurston. So full credit to Jared Croker for just being there and not being... He's never been overly flashy, but he's he's a guy that everyone said that he's a typical... If he was born in Toowoomba, he would have played for Queensland for a long time. Yes. That's that, I think that's the difference. He's just ultra consistent. Of, um, but yeah, good on him. Congratulations to Jared Croker. Um, okay, so, so who are the who are the two above him now on the leaderboard? Hazamel Mazuri and Cam Smith. So he's, I don't. I, he could catch El Mazuri. I don't even know why I asked Cam Smith. That's just so obvious. But yeah, um, yeah, he could catch El Mazuri, but I doubt he's going to catch Smith since he just pushed thirty. I think he's like six hundred behind. Croker's not thirty, is he? Yeah, he's around there. I've still got it in my head that he's 26 just because he's looked the same for like 10 years. Uh, <laughs> not, the last not story Blake before Ferguson. we get on... Not Blake no. Ferguson. Oh, what, what, was the, what was the worst look? Blake Ferguson trying to get the headgear on or... Um, bloody hell, was it, who was it yesterday getting strapped up around their face? Jordan Rapana, whether he could actually see. Oh, mate. It was it was just footy though. Like oh, I, My favourite part is that he... At least the no, um, the nose didn't get touched this time. Um, oh, okay, man, it was so. Was he trying to put the ball boys' headgear on by accident? <laughs> wasn't the ball, but the ball boys' buddy Junior Paulo looking. Um, so okay, we're going to go into games. No, no, I've got one more story to talk about. Um, okay, so this is going to be super controversial amongst the current climate, but. We're going to bring it up anyway. Okay. So this is a good thing. Okay, confirmed. I don't know what you're going to do here. But there's a report going around that that play, the players who don't take the mandatory vaccine for, um, for COVID will have to stay under the level four biosecurity measures until they do. So obviously everyone has their choice if they have to take the COVID other than these folks. Um you know, lately there's been protests and all that kind of stuff. Um, it will be interesting which players say no and go under biosecurity laws because was it last year? There was a few players protesting vaccinations and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it will be interesting what happens from this if it's correct. Can we just say there's a big difference between saying no to the vaccine based on religious views and going out in public and being a protester and increasing the amount of lockdown for everyone else and being a freaking idiot. So if you're one of those people, you can just not listen to the pod anymore. It's, I don't really care. Okay. But, um, yeah. <laughs> big difference there. I'm just yeah. saying like, I got a really nasty look by a lady at the survey day because I was wearing a mask. And um, Really? In Gibby? Yeah. Because yeah. I come from the sunny coast side yeah. of where one at okay. work and she was just giving me like a filthy looking shake in her head because I had my mask on. Yeah, and um, made sure she did it twice so I could see. I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. I've had a face like yours. I'd have a mask on too. But um, uh, and on that note, we'll get to the games. Sorry, was that mean? My bad. <laughs> All right, first game of the weekend, um, Thursday on the 29th of July, we had Roosters 28 over Parramatta zero. Look, I'm ruling them out. I know they got Mitch Mitch Moses coming back, but to ca- come up with such a depleted team who's coming up so f- 
far up your ass that you can't afford to drop any games. Roosters are that close behind power on the ladder. And to not even score a point. Like, I think I've said it a few times with this para team. The whole team, like, if you look at a team, it's so attack-focused. But they, the amount of times they get held to nil, I reckon it, other than the Bulldogs, that would be close to the most games held to nil in the last 18 months, two seasons, I reckon. Um yeah, I'm ruling. Yeah, they've been they've been held in nil once this year, and that was that week just then. Well, last year is about five, and then the year before that was about six. I see what you're saying. This is just another week where they haven't beaten a top four or five side. Yeah. After going down to the Raiders last week, it was going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. And they came up against a shell of what the Roosters can be, and yeah, got drummed. Um. I was so I had this as a value bet uh, with Tedesco scoring and the Roosters winning, and Tedesco didn't hold up his end of the bargain. But that I was actually too too late on getting my money on just on the Roosters because I think that was still paying two sixty five just for the win. So Tedesco did score two offloads, one line break, one try assist, six tackle breaks, twenty three runs for one hundred eighty seven meters. Um, yeah, what a what a shit bloke. Yeah, didn't score. That's all I could. <laughs> so no, it, it was so bad for the Eels. Like, you're missing Mitch Moses. Okay, he's not going to make 28 points of difference oh, mate. Yeah. Uh, in attack. And I tell you what, he's not going to stop 28 points in defense either. Um, it, it's like they're, they're just getting this. They're flat track bullies. Like you come up against, they they come up against a team that they feel like they're confident to beat. They're gonna beat them if they've come up against a team who's ahead of them the ladder. They don't. They, they, their confidence isn't there. Their attack isn't there. But they don't. They're not prepared to get down and dirty and like ooh, not prepared to like get into the grind at all. I hate saying it, but they're not. They're just not. They're not ready to grind out a win. No. And I think what we said last week, the perfect coaching formula is if you're a bottom team, get Nathan Brown. Then when you get around the middle, get Brad Arthur. And then when you get to where Parramatta is, you need a uh, Craig Bellamy because they haven't gone in. They haven't taken that next step for what, four seasons now. No, they've and, always, yeah. And, and it'd be interesting. They strengthen the team almost every off season and still haven't gotten any better. See, that's the thing. Like if you're making top four every year, on the outside looking in, you're you're doing well as a playing group. You're doing well as a coaching group. Fair enough. You made a top four. But the last two years have been knocked out in straight sets in the finals. Yeah. So what that tells me, they haven't learned anything in the last three years. They haven't adapted. They haven't changed the way they played. And they haven't grown a pair and actually realized when the game's on the line, they should be, you know, not trying to be a flashy prick. Because that's what they do. They try to be really flashy when they should just be killing the ball in the corner. And oh yeah, yeah. All right, okay. killing, killing, killing things. Bloody West Tigers. Holy shit. Yeah. So Warriors, as we discussed earlier, Roger Tuivasa Sheck left. Didn't have Lisa and Armel as well. Couldn't even name a twenty man, a twenty one man squad. Named I think nineteen or twenty. 
Um, Nathan Brown's refusing loan players because he doesn't think he thinks it'd be beneficial for his younger guys to have a run under a bit of adversity. Um, I like that. Yeah, well, Parramatta don't even know what adversity is. So, Tigers, fucking horrible. <laughs> That's so bad. Oh, man, I need not say about these blokes anymore. You lose 18-16 to a team that just voluntarily lost their captain. And, and they were they're up 10-0 at halftime, the Tigers. Yeah, it's just horrible. I don't... Um, Possession 50-50, completion rate 77-75. The West Tigers had 31 more runs than the Warriors did. 31. That's five full sets plus one. They only outran them by 130 metres. Yeah, that's so bad. And see, I want to... What I want to do is actually go back and look at the 2000, I think it's what, 14 South Sydney team. Is that when they won? Um, and I want to look at the couple of years before that. Yes. I want to see which players you would put under the players that Michael McGuire recruited under his thing. Because what I want to see is, because I think this is like his third or fourth year as coach of the targets. I think it's 2018 that he took over. I want to see if, despite the fact he won the grand final, is this Maguire's fault or is this the player's fault? Because I can't, I don't know anymore. I don't know what the go is. Um, I haven't been a fan of their recruitment, but below it, like games like this, the quality they've got on their field should be doing better than they're doing. Yeah, a game like this, um, to me, is purely on the players. Like, you've laid the platform. You're up 10-0 at halftime against a depleted team with, you guys say, a limited emotional investment. And I know they lost by two and it came down to a conversion, basically. But you shouldn't have even got this close. Like, you're looking at what Melbourne did to Penrith um, when Penrith had players out. They smashed them and they should have. Um, this is a game where the Tigers should have really taken advantage of the opportunity that they had and they didn't. Oh, Will Chambers just belted Dylan Walker. <laughs> Woo! Trying to change a bit of momentum in the game. I'll tell you what, Trebojevic is doing everything he can to make to keep Brad Parker in a position next week because Parker's <laughs> trying to single-handedly lose the game for Manly. But yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, you got to kind of look at the players on this just because... James is mouthing off to him. I love it. (laughs) Like, but I got a question for you. With the past couple of years, um, with Maguire, say his contract runs out November this year, do you re sign him? Do you go on it? Do you overhaul again, which Tigers seem to be doing since 2003? Or do you? No, I, I don't. I don't think the Tigers have overhauled because they they tend to get a third the way through the overhaul and stop, and then they play with that team for two years and go, you know what, we're not any better. Let's do an overhaul, and they overhaul a different third, and they stop. Well, and no, they don't get any better. And I, I think they've got to. I think they've got enough there for a core, 
uh, Dane Laurie and Dewey and Jacob Little. Um, holy crap, Travoyage is over again. Um, uh, I'd be holding on to McKaylee. Uh, you've got the young forwards. Like they've got a core group. The rest, you just say goodbye to. You're your your Roberts, your um, Leilua, Tamau, your like, yeah. Well, I'm talking about BJ Leilua. I'd probably yeah. hold on to Luciano. Yeah, uh, but you still need some X factor. Um, Nofalumi, you'd keep. But all the rest of the edge players, I think they've got a. Get rid of them, bring some youngsters through to save money on payroll and actually put some thought into getting decent free agents, your Finucans. Um, well, and there's a reason why players don't want to go there because, yeah, you'd be getting rid of Brooks. Um, yeah. You, see, you've got see, to... See, the thing about it is... You've got to make it enticing for players to come there. See, see when you look at teams who rebuild recently. So what they do is they probably play overs for an elite talent, but that comes down to their recruitment. That comes down to their personality of the guy they're recruiting. So, you know, right now, the one big, most obvious example is Bulldogs. Um, but you won't know that till next year with the six or seven players that's come through. Um, before that, it's probably... Why are players signing for the Bulldogs when they've been absolutely horrible the last few years and not signing for the Tigers? Yeah, well, that's right. And then you look before that Newcastle, they overpaid players like, you know, at the start when he was 19, you overpaid for Ponga. And then you overpaid for Clemmer, you overpaid for Guerra. But after that, more players come in. And Adam hit the nail on the head just then. When Tigers were doing their last fucking bullshit rebuild. They overpaid for Josh Reynolds. They overpaid for Moses Embiid. They overpaid for uh, well, so, Dewey oh, at the ben, time. Ben Madalino and Russell Packer. Yeah. And what happened from that is those blokes weren't enticing players around them. They just took the paycheck and ran. Well, I will give credit. Moses Embiid's had a crack. He's been bouncing around the whole team. Josh Reynolds, he he was a good player in the Bulldog system. It was too late for Tigers to realize that when they're paying him 900 grand a year. So a lot of what their decisions have done recently is, like I said, jury's out on Bulldogs and how they're going to go with the players they bought. But would you call Newcastle a bit more of a success minus the injuries? I don't, I don't know. That's, that's something for someone else, an unbiased person for me to say. But... For the Tigers, it's been a dismal failure because they've gone with the same prototype every other NRL team has gone with. But they've picked the wrong players to overpay. And it's just miserable what's happening there now. Like, you'd struggle with it. You'd really struggle to be a supporter because, yeah, I don't know what they got to do. Do you reckon they got to just get rid of everyone? Uh, uh, to me, like, it, it, it's also screams like a, a team that doesn't have a personality or or a direction. And that comes down to the fact that they've had however many different board changes and each board member that comes in or each CEO has a specific idea of how they want their club to play and they're going to recruit players based on that. And that's a conversation that they have with their coach and the recruitment manager and the head of football and all that sort of stuff. Every time you get a new GM, a new CEO in, 
they want to have their own stamp on things. So if things go well, they get the credit for it. Because in the end, no offense to CEOs and stuff, but they don't care if they don't care how the club's going in five years if they're suffering under back end of contracts. Um, if they're not going to be there anyway. So yeah, right. they'll do whatever they can to make the club good next year so they keep their job. That's their and, first priority. And, and the, which, the next priority is for the club to do well in the long term. So, Which is a big difference to the successful clubs because successful clubs realise it's a, it's a long game instead of a short game. That's the issue. Yeah, so I, I think... If the Tigers have got a set CEO that's going to stay there, they need to rip it down completely properly and say, look, we're a rebooting club. This is our core. We want you to come and push our core, lead our core, mentor our core to get us back to where we should be. And it's not like they don't have the money now. We'd pretty much Packer, Reynolds, those guys off the books and by about to come off. Um, they couldn't get Josh Adekata signed there. And he came from there. He, he used to play for the Tigers. He didn't want to end up coming back. Uh, they didn't get Fanukin. Uh, they didn't get any of the players that um, the Bulldogs got. They were chasing to beat a pain guy. They didn't get him. Um, It'll be, be interesting what happens when Tim Sheens comes in. If he's able to overhaul it correctly. Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing, really. Yeah. Um, I missed that tip. I don't know how many other people did, but I definitely missed the next tip, which is the Broncos versus the Cowboys down at Suncorp Stadium. Broncos winning that one 37-18. I said to me, this is the only game of the round that I saw being more like a 50-50. To me, I thought all the rest should have gone pretty much how they've gone outside of the Knights Raiders, which we'll talk about next. And obviously the one we just did. So they were two upsets in my books, but this is the one that I didn't really know which way to go because the Broncos have been so bad. Cowboys have been so bad. I literally went Cowboys because the one time I tipped the Broncos, they lost. So Yeah, so this game, I will admit for the Broncos, when they do, the few times they've actually put a few points on a team, their tries are actually entertaining. If you watch the highlights, they're pretty good. Um, but uh, Katoni Stags in this game, just head, shoulders, knees and toes above everyone else. Um, in both dead back lines. He was just so far ahead. He just, yeah, he, he, he's such a big difference. And for the Broncos fans, they'll be loving the idea that he's re-signed for next year. And Cowboys, look, you had the chances, guys. Where are they sitting in the ladder now? They've dropped all the way back to 14th. Third last, Jesus. Which is not good for them. You know, they, they, they're still... Two games out of the eight, but that's a lot of people losing to make sure they go. They they have so much potential. We actually um we actually put a whole heap of praise on them this year just because bringing Todd Payton in, we thought he was going to bring some decent standards to this, but the squad, but it just hasn't happened for him. Yeah, it's it's far enough into the season now to say his first season's been a failure as a head coach. Uh, for what the expectations were. And this is a club that hasn't really had to do with injury. Like they lost Tamalolo for a chunk, but even when he's been there, he hasn't been playing the minutes he usually plays. Um, They made the choice to get rid of their halfback who was in form at the time. Thank you. Couldn't even get picked for the Broncos. Uh, That was a dumb decision in my book. When it was done, it's looking even worse now. Um, 
they re-signed Granville as a backup hooker who's been shifted to fullback when they've got a young guy called Dejan Arcee there. You've got Drinkwater oh, in there, yeah. Hampton. Um, like, they've just... Like, I'm struggling to think of anything they've done right this year. Yeah. Uh, the, like, the bright spots are Tulagi and that's it. Yeah, Murray Tulagi's been playing well. They're losing him to the Dragons. Yeah, uh, full credit to him. He, he's had a good crack this year. Um, you know, they've got those full-on country boys, tough sons of bitches like the Mitch Dunns and all those kind of blokes um, in their second row. But they're not... And Cohen Hess, they're just not utilising them correctly, in my, my opinion. Like, I don't know if it's because of the change of half or anything like that, but they're not as damaging as they could be. And because they got a pretty good... they got a pretty lethal four pack. You know, McLean, Molo, Tamalolo, Mitch Dunn, Cohen Hess, Jeff... Ro- uh, yeah, Jeff Robson and um, Jake Granville. Like, that's, a, that's an elite four pack. And... They're just not making the meters of it in Tom Lolo, which for me, one, it could be attitude, or two, I just don't think the halves are directing them well enough. And yeah, I just. Granville, Granville's trying his butt off. Oh, Gr- Granville's having a crack. Uh, not um, Granville, sorry, drink water. No, no, drink I, 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 meant to say. I, I really like Granville. Um, I reckon he, he, even when he got moved to fullback, which I didn't agree with, he, he has been having a go. But as Adam said, the selections, like you got young Dejan Arcee there and you've got Scott Drinkwater. You think when they lost Val Holmes, you put Drinkwater back to fullback and fucking Dejan Arcee back to um back to five eight. But the silly yeah, I, thing the silly thing about the whole situation is that they brought in next year they're gonna have Chad Townsend and um, Tom Dearden. I, with Val Holmes in that squad, I don't see Tom Dearden having a go, having a run in this team. Chad Townsend and Scott Drinkwater is their halves moving forward, but for some reason, they've gone out and recruited. Right now, so what have they got? They've got Tom Dearden, Scott Drinkwater, Chad Townsend, Dejan Arcee. Ben Hampton. Ben Hampton. They've got five, five halves and probably a few juniors sitting there. They're top heavy in halves. They don't need them all. Um, they've just re-signed Granville. They've just re-signed Hampton after the yeah I, switch and after the Townsend sign. So out of that top thirty, they've got about what seven Kick. or eight halves. Yeah, it's it's a horrible. It's a, construction. It's I'm just looking at the the minutes played on the weekend. You had Granville play eighty minutes at fullback. You look on the bench, you got Hampton playing 21 minutes. He played 11 minutes in the centres for Murray Tulagi, and he played nine minutes at hooker for Reese Robson. Reese um, Robson, not Jeff. I keep doing that. Yeah, so he played 71 minutes and then Hampton finished it off. Francis Milo, starting prop, 35 minutes. Jordan McLean, starting prop, 42 minutes. Uh, but then you look on the bench, Cohen Hoss, Hess, 53. Tom Gilbert, 30. Helium Lukey, uh, 17. So that's not even a balanced bench rotation. And you got Tom Lolo playing 64 minutes this week. That's better. We're right and we're better, but right and done can play 80. Who topped the run meters for the Cowboys? 
Tomalolo. Tomalolo. And um, he ran 100. Oh, my God. This has to be a record. He ran 174 metres another week. Uh, oh, no, there you go. Sorry. Francis Molo, in his 35 minutes, ran 125 metres. Tumalolo ran 174. Not one other cowboy forward broke 90. Oh, that's ridiculous. 76, See, that, that's 40 issue, like, metres. Like, Can a forward run 40 metres in a game? Who was that? Shane Wright. Yeah, and that's my point. This bloke, he, he is a talented football player. And what was Jordan McLean's stats? Because he was pushing New South Wales and Australia not two, three years ago. Uh, he ran four, nine hit-ups, nine hit-ups, 76 metres yeah, see, in that's 42 not, minutes. That's not good enough for that bloke. And um, 29 tackles. Where did you compare that? Uh, so look, Payne Haas played one minute longer than Tamalolo and ran for two less metres. So, but you had... At least, like, off the bench, 40 minutes for a prop, 30 minutes for a prop coming off the bench. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes with the interchange. It looks like there's actually a plan in place. So, yeah. Oh, okay. God. Um, yeah, Broncos 37-18 over Cowboys. Okay, next game. Newcastle 34-24 over Canberra Raiders. So, so this one went against the script to me. Like, the way that Raiders had been looking and how oh, they've yeah. been building... Um, and then I flicked the radio on. This is the uh, Sunday Arvo. Yeah, Sunday Arvo. So I flicked the radio on, so I had to jump out real quick and heard the scoreline. I went, what the fudge? Yeah, so and it's not even that representative of the game. So um, Newcastle well, took the foot off the throat for the last 15 minutes of the game, took a few players off, put them on the bench and... They scored two quick tries out of it. So it should have been around 40 points to 12 this game. If Because he took Ponga off. Um, I think he took Clifford off at one point as well. So, yeah. Um, in this one, Jack Whiten needs the ball in his hands a lot more for Canberra. He's just not doing what he... I don't know what's wrong, but he's not doing what he was doing last year. He was getting absolutely roasted. Online. Yeah, I don't agree with that because he's still the talented player, but yeah, he needs the ball in his hand more. Um, Bradman Best came back and he, he just added that layer of, I don't know, ferocity and talent onto New South Wales' backline with the Ray Ram, which we haven't had with anyone really all year except him. Um, Jordan, I, I will admit, I never liked him, but Jordan Rapana played pretty well at fullback. Give him full credit. That's a couple of weeks in a row now. Yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, we, you and me criticize that, but nah, he, he played all right. Well, Newcastle's front row rotation. So they start the Safidi twins and then they bring on Clemmer. So in this game, um, it, it, I think it's really well balanced because you got Safidi twins who are really aggressive. They get onto a front foot at the start, play, you know, 20, 25 minutes, and they bring Clemmer on for practically the rest of the game. And, you know, he's, he's topped the run meters in this game, made 30 tackles, post-contact meters were off the charts. Um, and it was really cool because everyone was talking about how um, Ricky Stewart benched Josh Papali to create that momentum, but it really backfired on him because the Safidi twins played really well in the first 20, 25 minutes and they got the Newcastle was... on the top, front foot. 
But they brought on Papali and they're like, oh, he's going to change the game, which he did. But Newcastle just kind of walked on David Clemmer, who's just as got, got just as much experience, probably not in the form that Josh Papali was in. And he held that middle just as well as it was for the rest of the game. So I re- I'm really liking him on the bench in this in for Newcastle just because he can come on. He's still getting the same amount of minutes, but he's just he's just that added layer of professionalism that Newcastle have not had on their bench for I don't know. It's it's the there's no drop off in quality, yeah. and that's exactly what we're talking with Cowboys. Then Tamalolo comes off, the drop in quality is massive, and, yeah. and it's enough to cost them the game. Whereas if you've got a forward the caliber of Clemmer coming off well, see, the bench, yeah. it can make such a difference because well, you, got you don't Daniel, have that drop-off. Daniel holding the professional, and he didn't have his best game in the weekend, but he got Jacob, and they kind of bounce off each other. But what it was originally was Daniel and Clemmer starting, and then you brought on Josh King and Jacob Safidi, and our middle just got destroyed every week. So it really did balance it out. And, yeah, it's making us look a lot better and I think having no injuries and Mitchell Pierce coming back this weekend um, against the Broncos who are missing a few players we'll get to that but um, I think we potentially might be able to go on a run but I don't think we can make it far into the finals if we off chance we do make yeah, it there if we um, just talk about that impact off the bench watching the, the Sharks Manly game for feeder when he came on at the end of the first half Um. Manly had done everything they had been pretty much dominant the whole first half and Cronulla finished pretty strong. But for feeders, energy coming off the the bench is what you can do. And Hazel's used to power off the bench a couple of times this year when he had Aloi and Paseca starting. And Tapao's pretty much been a starter his whole career. And it wasn't for form-wise, he just wanted some impact off the bench. And he was creating just as big a stats uh, as he was starting. I don't know if this is going to be a record, but Tom Trebojevic is my captain, has scored 448 points by himself in the Supercoach. Um, no, Cle- no, 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 you won't be a record. The record was early this year. Cleary scored 1,000. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. In one game. I'm going to look it up right now. You move on to the next one. Bloody hell. Um Next game, we've talked about this one already. Storm 37 over Penrith 10. Uh, we've talked about the Penrith missing five of their players. Um, Storm had Pappenhausen back in this one. Again, uh, coming off the bench with... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, he's losing. I'm losing my thought here. What's his name? Nico Hines, sorry. Starting at fullback, playing 48 minutes. Um, Tepai Mairoa named on the reserve and did not get any game time but Harry Grant did 59 minutes with a try Jordan Grant off the interchange 26 minutes as well and Pappenhausen 46 minutes off the bench so pretty much split the time between him and Hines so yes Storm were back to pretty close to a full strength team but they were still chopping and changing with players coming on and going off the field all saying that we're trying to find excuses for Penrith but it's hard to envision them winning this game. Like I said, even with uh, Fisher, Harris, and Yao, Yo, and um, Tyrone May here, they're just missing Cleary so much with regards to scoring points, direction around the field, and then even communication in defense. Like 
your halfback can bring communication, but the organization, even the defense, wasn't up to scratch. And when Bellamy was asked post-game how he thought Melbourne was tra- tracking, he's obviously pleased. But he said, we can improve, especially in attack. And that's after putting 37 points on the best defensive team in the comp for the last two years. He was more happy with the 10 points let in. Uh, obviously, he'd prefer to not have the one in front of the zero. But when you're putting 37 points on the best defensive side, you've got to be happy. And he said, we've still got to improve in attack. It's still a bit clunky. Sorry, sorry. And it's sorry. clunky because there's been players come in and out of that team all, all year. Good players, quality players who can come in and, oh, what Jeez. a shot. Right. Okay, so and that is why I love Talakai just shot at Josh Schuster. Um, that's a big collision. Schuster just ended up on his ass ball, shot forward about six meters. What a so hit. back to what I was saying earlier. Cleary, no, he did not score a thousand points in Thank one week. You. He scored it in two weeks as captain. Yeah, so he scored two fifty each week. Yes. Yeah. Thousand points in a week, you crazy. <laughs> Um, that that's why I love Talakai. Oh, that's a good shot. Oh, NRL will find a way to suspend. NRL will find a way to suspend him for that. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Melbourne, too classy. Um, and remember, I looked it up earlier. When Melbourne were missing a few players, when Penrith previously played them, the score was twelve ten to Penrith. So just remember that. For anyone thinking that Penrith um, were missing a few players and it should have been, it would have been a lot closer. Um, Melbourne missing a few players when they missed played against Penrith last time, twelve ten. All right, moving on to another heavyweight and another depressing day for St George fans. South Sydney Rabbitohs fifty points to fourteen over St George Illawarra Dragons. Um, can, I think- just before we get to that game, can I just ask? It's been pretty much the narrative of Penrith the last four or five weeks now. They'll be right when everyone's back. They'll be right when there's no injuries. They'll be right when Cleary's there. Yada, yada, yada. Will they? Yeah. I think they're going to jump straight back into their groove. Um, I think, and this is going to be depressing for Bulldogs fans, but I think having Matt Burden in the halves with him just being his best players running. Like, his passing game's not there yet, where Cleary is more of an all-round player. So, when he part, when Burden passes, it's not always the right option, but he's such a strong runner on that left-hand side of the field that his stats, because he scored a few tries in that period, got overwhelmed, um, but overhyped because of that. I think with Cleary back, making those correct decisions and just been popping up all over the place, Penrith are just going to kind of fall back into their groove for where they used to be. Um, but it's <laughs> from what I've seen from Melbourne this year compared to what I've seen from Penrith, I see Melbourne being able to adapt to the game better as far as they can score more points than Penrith, but I think Melbourne's defensive um, structures can handle Penrith's attack in this game, so in in, in the big games. So I think I, I'm tipping Melbourne to beat them when it can, when it matters. 
Yeah, uh, Will Kennedy scored for Cronulla, even though they are down a man. Uh, oh, good on Toby Rudolph in the bin. Yeah, just going back to that 12-10 game you were talking about, I'm just looking at the lineups now. Uh, Penrith were full strength except for Cleary missing, so that burden shifted to oh, half. Oh, was Cleary missing that game? Oh, I take it all back. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't because they were full strength outside of that. Um, don't think I'm missing out on kick out, Kate, well, yo. Uh, Fisher Harris, Leo Coruscant is missing. Um, That's massive. Lanu, Eisenhuth, Martin. Yeah, Edwards, Stain, all them. But this was the first week that Pappenhausen was out. So Nico Hines was playing fullback. Because mm. uh, this was only round three of the year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, round three. So Nico Hines first grade at fullback. We're like, what? George Jennings, third game for the club. Remy Smith, third game and for the club. And they were really, str- really weak at the start of this year. Yeah, Penrith scored both their tries on yeah. their side. Um. Uh, so no Harry Grant. So you got no Pappenhausen, no Harry Grant. Um, you got those two players, Eisenhuth in the second row. So they were missing Kafusi. <laughs> um. <laughs> so I'm just scrolling Kamika through. was a lot. Yeah, Darren Shonig, Tyson Smoothie, Chris Lewis, all on the bench. All right. So um. So just... Melbourne went anywhere near full. So either. old Denning camped the locker room. Um, he just posted this thing, breaking news. And I'm like, ooh, here we go. Huge breaking news coming out of Brisbane. In 55 minutes, three tries, two tries assists, 189 metres, three line breaks, three line break assists, 10 tackle breaks, five offloads. Tommy Turbo is taking the piss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, here comes Trinella. They're about to, they scored two tries with a man down. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, um, Penrith. Questions out, they win the grand final. Uh, for the next game, bloody hell. Um, 50 points to 14, rabbits over to Dragons. I'm going to rule out Dragons, especially their, their attack came off Ben Hunt in this game, and now he's out. I'm, I'm going to essentially rule him out um, for the season. So, two tries from Ben Hunt's 13 tackles, seven runs of 37 metres, 10 kicks of 358 metres, 140 20. Um, I don't see Dragons being able to do too much more without this bloke. For South Sydney, their left I didn't side... see him doing much with him, so yeah, I've given nothing without him. Yeah, so that left and he was playing side well. of attack is absolutely lethal for South Sydney. Um, it'd be a really good game right now seeing South Sydney play Melbourne. Yeah, that's my grand final right now. Just because of the sheer attack on both sides and Latrell Mitchell the way he's playing with Cody Walker. It will be interesting what Jason Demetrio does next year with the um with South Sydney just because you know you're losing Reynolds but they've got a few halves coming through. Does Milford slot straight into six or seven or does he go to 14? I'll, I'll be very curious as to what they do. Um, but someone's got to do the um, game management to release Cody Walker in South Sydney because he's not a game manager. There's no way in hell this guy can be a game manager. So someone's got to be able to do Adam Reynolds' job, put Cody Walker in the correct positions to do what he's been doing. Otherwise, South Sydney are going to really struggle without Reynolds. I think it's a bigger loss than a lot of people realise for next year. Yeah, so looking at the Rabbitohs 
100% agree with that. Um, it will be, I think they're going to, well, they got Milford. Uh, he's not a game manager either. He'll be their bench player, probably replacing Marshall, you'd assume. Um, but yeah, they'll need somebody. Uh, Chad Townsend wouldn't have been a bad bet, but he's gone. Um, just look at the Rabbitohs since their buy. Their defense is still a concern outside of the Broncos, who they held to nil and scored 46 points, and probably the Knights, where they beat 24 10. They've let in 22, 18, 24, 22, and then 15 against the Dragons, but that's neither here nor there. But right. their attack 24, 46, 38, 46, 32, 60, 50. So they've put on 110 points in the last two weeks over two teams that they should. They've had an easy run. Um, these last, if you want to include Newcastle in that, seven weeks, they've yeah. had a very easy run. Knights, Broncos, Tigers, Cowboys, Bulldogs, Warriors, Dragons, all teams outside the top eight. Um, but they've smashed all of them as you expect them to, as they should do. Going into the end of the season, they got Parramatta next week. The way that Parramatta's been playing against the top teams um, should be a win to the Rabbitohs, you'd assume. Manly have fallen to pieces in the last five minutes of the game. Um, then they got the Titans, Penrith and Roosters and Dragons again. So Rabbitohs are positioned pretty damn well right now um, to finish the season. The way that all teams playing considered, um, I've got them in Melbourne in the grand final. Paseca's going to get put on a report for tripping. Enjoy. <laughs> all right. He's probably going to get Stimbin too. Yeah, so next game. Yeah, 10 in the bin. Oof. Manly were up 40 to 10. It's now 40 to 22. <laughs> next game. Uh, tonight, actually. This is a game that I I was I needed Bulldogs to win 30, but Gold Coast came out winners 34 points to six. Um, Gold Coast pushed themselves in the top eight this weekend. So full credit to them. Um, but Bulldogs are just horrible. What? No way. I'm surprised by that. <laughs> uh, Ash Taylor, killer game. Um, his standards, he, he pretty much had a hand in a lot of the Cow Titans attacking play. Um, really solid game for him. Most likely not going to be re-signed by the Titans. Um, he'll be looking for a gig next year. He's obviously not going to get the money he's on at the moment, but I still think there's a bit in there uh, with what he can bring to the game. Um, when put in the right situation, a positive environment. And it was good to see him play with a bit of freedom. Uh, Sam Masters getting over for probably his first try in a year, I'd assume. Um, Greg Marsju still, like, continuing to make a name for himself, getting across the stripe on the wing there. Um, and Ash Taylor getting one for himself. Toby Sexton, five for six conversions. Uh, there was the outside chance of Jamal Fogarty. Uh, playing in this one, he was on the extended bench and was in the last two um, uh, last two cuts for the Titans. So they've rested him for another week. Uh, Sam McIntyre ended up being the 18th man. Um, I guess this kind of shows what the Titans can do when versing the bottom uh, the bottom teams. They can put points on, but I'm assuming. What was going to be most pleasing for Holbrook will be the six points let in as opposed to the 34 points scored because everyone knows that Titans can put on points when they're in the mood. Yeah. Yeah, I'm full credit for Gold Coast for making the eight. Um, 
I think that I'm putting them in the same category as Newcastle. Whoever gets in this top, this bottom four, Gold Coast, Cronulla, Canberra, St. George and Newcastle. Um, I don't see him lasting more than the first round of it. Um, yeah, it's going to struggle, especially since Cronulla are going to lose um, Sean Johnson for the rest of the year. And then the last yeah. game with a minute and a half left, it looks like Manly 40, 40 points to 22 over Cronulla. The stats I read out for Tom Trevojevic earlier, pretty close to what it's going to be since he was rested for the last 10 minutes. Of That's the, game. the difference. Yeah, so 40 points to 22. As Adam said, it's not really an indication of, this, of the competition just because it should have been 40 points to 10, but they scored two late tries. Cronulla did. Well, it's not that. Manly did this last week as well against... Um... Uh, maybe not last week, but when they versed the Tigers, they were in control of that and let in points late. Uh, and that's the sort of stuff that cost you in the finals. You can't afford to slip up. Like, yeah, oh, it was last sorry. week against the Tigers, 44-24, when they, they had that game under control. And then Mamala gets across in the 71st minute. And it's just tries like that, again, like for teams that you shouldn't be letting tries in like that. And this is... 40 to 10 is a 30 point score instead of an 18 one. And that's way more emphatic leading into the finals. Yeah. Okay. And then I think no matter what the score is in this game and what we talked about earlier, next Saturday night is this fucking massive. So Seagulls and Storm. Seagulls versus Storm and Roosters versus Pembroke. So this is going to be a massive round. And essentially it kind of comes down to well, Seagulls are Melbourne, Pembroke. So, Pembroke first Roosters. Um, if Parramatta lose next week, Roosters win. They jump in the top four. If Pembroke beat, Pembroke win and Manly are able to upset Melbourne, they'll be even on points. Probably won't get on top just for four and against. So, oh, they're 160 behind yeah, so, points differential. Look, yeah. So, I'm not... Oh, Next weekend is going to be very, very surprising as to how... Not surprising. No, no, not, sorry, not surprising. Very... It'll, it'll, sh- it'll round out the top four at least the next weekend. Um, yeah, you've got... Because if Parra win... first 10th as well. Yeah, and if Parra win and Roosters lose, they're on an even amount of points, but it gets them a two-game advantage over there. Um, and Newcastle, so for the... For the other part of the interesting competition. So you've got Newcastle playing Broncos, which look they should win, but Newcastle and Newcastle, as you said, um, nine versus ten. So Canberra versus St George, um, which is oh yeah, Canberra versus St George, Cronulla versus Warriors. So Warriors could help out a few teams and put knock down Cronulla there. And Gold Coast are playing North Queensland, which you would expect them to win, but North Queensland sometimes pull it out when you need it. So next weekend, it's, it's every game so important now. So it's going to be very interesting. No freebie. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm looking. I'm looking at the fourth versus third yeah. um, game because if Rabbitohs can emphatically put another win on the Eels because they only versed them a couple of weeks ago and beat them quite easily from memory. 
if they can double up on that, it's going to be interesting to see where it puts the um, eels heads. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry, thirty-eight twenty. It was before the it was before the buy, but yeah, they rumbled them there, and then the roosters doing that to the uh, eels last week. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, Manly versus Storm. Storm will, by the look of how they play, will probably have Pappenhausen back at fullback by that stage. Um, Manly's getting their full-strength squad pretty much back together now with Curtis Sirenen coming back off the bench in this game. Um, two teams scoring lots of points, but Melbourne obviously letting in nothing and Seagull's still letting in a fair bit. So at the end of round 20... We have Storm, Penrith, Rabbitohs, Eels, Roosters, Seagulls, Titans, Sharks, Raiders, Dragons, Knights, Warriors, Tigers, Cowboys, Broncos, Bulldogs as our ladder. And I'm going to wait and do the tipping results till our preview of round 21 because there's a joke around and it does take a little while for them to lock in the results. Um, yeah, that's everything from me. Um, hoping, hoping we have footy next week. And if you don't, continue to watch the Olympics because Australia is freaking smashing it. Yeah. My background is the legendary Emma McKeon, who is having such a good meet and one of the most humble athletes as well. Hmm. All right. We'll be back Wednesday night. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.